Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Talking with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Srivatsan Raghavan. Srivatsan, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You've got a new book out. It's called Cancer Awareness by Means of Public Health Campaigns. Can you tell everybody what it's all about? So basically, this book is going to encourage each and every person who reads that, regardless of their socioeconomic status or their education, so that they can have a basic understanding of what cancer is, how many types are there, who is impacted, how they can help create awareness among their friends, families, their neighbors, and the community, so that people can improve their lifestyle and prevent that malady from occurring. Hmm. Was there anything in particular that gave you the idea for this or inspired you to write the book? So. Years ago, when I was a student in basic sciences and health, I thought of like something that's going to be a very serious enigma, which is like, you know, something that cannot be you know solved that easily. And one, one that came to my mind is cancer, because this disease is like a collection of more than 95 types that have been like plaguing humanity for more than, you know, a century or two. And there is not much can be done when somebody, you know, is having stage three or stage four, depending on the type of disease the way you know there are like five major types like sarcoma carcinoma melanoma leukemia which is like a blood cancer and lymphoma which occurs in the lymph nodes so each of these you know is like a collection of diseases and there are various stages you know stage one stage two stage three stage four and somebody who is facing like you know stage three leukemia is like in a more difficult situation compared to somebody facing the stage four of you know melanoma which is like a skin cancer you know the pigment called melanin you know it's like increased in some areas and they're having too much pain due to like the nerve cells going out of control and so on so i want to like see like how i can contribute to like creating awareness among people so that they can, you know, try to improve their health and also tell to their friends, families, the community, uh, you know, the society where they are, and also indirectly help the country, you know, to reduce the financial burden on cancer diagnosis and treatment, because that costs billions and billions of dollars each year, mm. reducing the number of uh, manpower that can contribute to, you know, the education and employment across the country. Mm. I can imagine this took a fair amount of research to complete. Did it take you a long time to write? Yeah, at least I would say more than uh, 15 weeks to collect various research data and also verify them, check on the numbers, because all of the numbers keep on getting modified, you know, by day or by week basis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, since the book has been published for quite some time ago, uh, I would say that the specific numbers mentioned, for example, there are more than 439 new cases per 100,000 men and women, you know, that would be now more than 500 or even like 510. So, and like more than 163 diagnosed cases will lead to mortality. That may be a higher or lower number, depending on where they are, or whether they can access treatment, whether the insurance can cover some of the costs and so on. So this is like lots of research. Hmm. What kind of a reading audience is cancer awareness aimed for? You know, this is for anyone, Corey, anyone who is interested in understanding what cancer is, how many types are there, how they can like educate and like inform their friends and family in very simple terms. Because, you know, years ago when I went into basic training, 
in sciences and medicine, you know, working with people in medical school, in research. My scholars, you know, they told me that if you cannot explain something in simple terms to anyone that you talk with, then you are not doing your job properly. So mm. anybody can read this book if they can understand and try to explain to their network. They can try to create awareness and even like prevent people getting cancer in certain ways. Like they can tell their friends, you know, not to smoke too much or not to indulge in too much alcohol or not to consume lots and lots of red meat each week and do more physical work and stay in a more clean environment, you know, breathe fresh air and so on, reduce the number of stressful events they have in life. All these, you know, have like a role in various types of cancers. The book is called Cancer Awareness by Means of Public Health Campaigns written by Srivatsan Raghavan and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere you shop for books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Srivatsan, thank you again for joining me. Thank you for all your hard work on this very, very important book. I had a nice time chatting tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Corey, for having me. And I hope that I'm going to speak to you again on other books in the future. There's an inspiring story of victimhood to victory in the new book, When God Intervenes, A Look Behind the Walls. It's written by Dr. Gloria Belor prince and she's joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Gloria, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. Now, can you tell me what you've written about in When God Intervenes? Well, the book is actually a autobiography hmm. and a look behind the walls details my life from the time from my childhood up until today. Actually, it was designed to inspire and empower young women knowing that they too can accomplish certain things, no matter what they've gone through in life. Hmm. Was there anything in particular that inspired you to write your story and tell it to the world? Well, my mom had always desired to write her memoirs, and she never got the opportunity to do that because her, her life was taken with cancer a few years back. And I decided after God had allowed me to be successful, that it was important for me to share my history. There's a lot of times in which in today's society, young girls are abused and they're afraid to tell what has happened. And as parents work so hard to try to make a life for their children, sometimes they're blinded or blindsided by what goes on behind the walls. About how long did it take you to write this? It took about six months. Have you written or published prior to this? I had not. So this is my first opportunity to share what has taken place in my life. I'm really hopeful and encouraged that this will be the first of many. Well, congratulations. The first book is a big deal. It's, it's usually the most difficult one to get out there. What was the most challenging part about publishing it? Well, the most challenging part really was finding the ending because mm. life has obviously not ended. Mm. You know, we have continual chapters throughout our lives. And so it was hard to really find out what exactly was the end of this particular book. Fortunately, God has given me the opportunity to minister. So I'm actually an assistant pastor at my, at my current church. And God has given me the opportunity to start my own nonprofit for girls. The challenging part really was, like I said, putting that ending together and deciding, okay, where do I stop and where do I start for my next book? 
that probably was the most challenging part. Mm. You said you planned on writing some more books, so they will sort of be a continuation then of this? I think I will have a continuation as one thing, but I, I really desire to write some more motivational books for, mm. for young girls, for youth. Mm. That's fantastic. Do you ever get writer's block? Would you sit down and you wanted the ideas to come, but the words just weren't flowing? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I do believe that where I am in my life today, because God, everything God does is purposeful. Mm. I believe that when I'm ready to sit down and write again, that God will inspire me what it is that I need to write or what direction it is that I need to take. I'm hopeful to retire in two years. And within that time frame, I'm hoping to be able to launch another book. When you got the first physical copy of your book, you're holding it in your hands. After working on it for so long, you finally have it. Can you tell me what was going through your head? What were you feeling? Excited. I was totally excited. And my husband is my number one cheerleader. And he pushes me and he motivates me and he encourages me to move forward. He's excited every time a box comes in the mail <laughs> with something that has to do with the final distribution of the book. It's an exciting thing. Hmm. When you write, are you sort of an outliner where you outline the main points and fill it in? Or do you just start writing and see where it goes? You know, when I first started, I just started writing and things started coming. But then after I got about at the third chapter or so, then I took it from an outline perspective. Mm. And God was showing me what the chapters would look like. And then I was able to kind of fill it in from there. Often when you're driven to write, you're also a reader. Would you call yourself an avid reader? I love to read and research. So having a PhD, that's one of the things that you learn to do is life is about researching and finding out more information about things that interest you. And so I read a lot, a lot of spiritual things. I lead, read a lot of things that are encouraging, mm. but I do a lot of research into things about psychology and what's going on in today's world so that I can understand the need of young people. Mm. Certainly important to keep feeding your mind as you go on. Gloria's book is called when God Intervenes, A Look Behind the Walls, of course, written by Dr. Gloria Belor-Prince and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop, too. Gloria, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Thank you for writing your story, and, you know, it takes so much courage to release that to the world, and you've done just that. I had a really nice time chatting tonight. Thank you so much for having me. In the new children's book, Zoodles for Zebras, we're going to meet Xander the Zebra, and the author, Baron First, is with me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Baron, thank you so much for joining me. Greetings. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about the story in Zoodles for Zebras? Absolutely. So as you mentioned, it's about a zebra named Xander who absolutely adores eating zucchini noodles, which he calls zoodles. <laughs> and one day he just decides he wants to go and find out what all of his friends around the zoo like to eat. And then at the end, it's kind of a secret. So spoiler alert, he collects all of their favorite foods and then he prepares it for them and they all have a great big meal at the end. That's wonderful. Have you written before or been published before this? I have not. This is So I've always been fairly creative and come up with like story ideas and movies ideas and things of that nature. But this was the first time that somebody was like, of all of those ideas, 
one of my friends, she happened to have kids and she was like, that sounds like a fun story. She was like, sit down, put that on paper, like commit to one of your ideas <laughs> and get it developed. And I did. But how long were you working on it? The story itself, I want to say I was the very original draft and completion of it maybe took like a week. But then after that, like I revised it and revised it and edited it. And, you know, I took parts out and then added parts in, you know, I was just like <laughs> editing and working on it like for months. And then I finally was like, OK, I think this is a good spot. Let me go ahead and send this into Fulton, see if I can get it approved. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on getting that first book out there. It's, it's a huge deal and it is often the most difficult one. I think you'll find if you're writing more, then they get easier and easier as it goes. Uh, what was the most challenging part about getting it published? So for me, because like you mentioned, it was the very first one, I just was completely unfamiliar with the process. You know, I essentially almost had to storyboard the entire, you know, all of the illustrations and make sure that the illustrations made sense with what was written on the page so that they're not just, you know, a random conglomerate of pictures showing animals doing things that don't make any sense. I wanted the pictures to be able to tell a story as well as the words on the page. So just trying to develop that and get everything corresponded from my head speaking to the publisher and then the publisher to the artist and then getting that all back. And then, of course, the biggest crutch or hurdle for everybody this past year or so was just dealing with COVID and, you know, all the hurdles that that put into place. Mm. Did you have a certain age range of children in mind when you wrote this? Not originally, but I figure it's probably best between the ages of five and nine. I think that kind of like that kindergarten, first grade, you know, in that kind of wiggle room area. So now that you've been through the publishing process here for the first time, can you offer any words of wisdom for aspiring authors that want to go on this journey as well? Absolutely. It's uh, for anybody that's interested, you know, just commit to it. Just decide that you're going to follow this through to the end. And that was definitely what I'm so excited about for this book to come out is just I was able to, I honestly think that from my mind to the page, it's come across beautifully. And but just making that first step to decide, because I think lots of people have ideas and thoughts and like, oh, I should do this or I should do that. Okay, well, sometimes you just have to kind of do it. <laughs> you know, you just have to sit down and make yourself type the words on your laptop or whatever and mm. get it done. How much thought have you put into more books, uh, future publishing? I already have, you know, some in the works in my head. The thing with me is uh, before I want the story to be developed in my mind before I apply it to the page, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So I already have a couple different ones that I'm cooking up right now. But yeah, I, I definitely am looking forward to putting out more. The book is called Zoodles for Zebras. Written by Baron First and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you pick up your reading material at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Baron, thank you very much again for joining me here tonight. Congratulations again on your first one. We're looking forward to a lot more from you. I had a really nice time talking tonight. Thank you so much. What is a non-devotional? Well, we're going to find out. I'm speaking right now with author Ed McInnes. He has a book out called Moments with the Master, a 366-day non-devotional. Ed, thank you for joining me tonight. Sure, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Now, Ed, what is a non-devotional? Well, most devotionals have been written in a very short and concise format, so individuals can just pick it up on their way out, maybe right before they go to bed. Moments with the Master is designed to 
be a little more in depth to provoke thought, to consideration, to draw closer to the Lord, and to provoke the believer to loving good deeds. And then for those who may not be believers, to just consider some of the aspects of where they are in life and then the future before them. So it's a little different in that it's uh, designed to be chewed on more than just a quick brief read before you engage the day. Hmm. Where did the inspiration or the idea for this book come from? Well, I uh, pastored a small congregation starting in 2014. And what I did in the mornings, early morning, would just get up and send a little text out with the verse and some encouragements. And then over the years, as it just grew, I realized that if we added more context to it and really brought to bear those things I mentioned before, that it, we could circulate it amongst a lot more folks. And so the inspiration just came from the congregation who encouraged me to, to do that. Hmm. But how long did it take you to collect everything and then format it to be published? Uh, well, it took, uh, I pastored that little congregation for about three years. And then to compile those things, I also own and operate a licensed home health agency. And so between that full-time work and being a starving writer, it took about a total of five years to get everything put together and finally submitted for publication. Hmm. Is this your first published work? No, I have some other published work. I do writings for uh, some script writing. There's actually a, a uh, film that I wrote that hmm. was went straight to VHS to age myself. <laughs> and then uh, I did some comic book work for some wrestling. Oh, wow. But it's my first writing. Well, I also did some writing, uh, some technical writing for the federal government. But this is the first Christian genre of really focused on the heart of the Lord. Hmm. What was the publishing process like for you? Was it an easy thing or were there a lot of challenges? I think Christian Faith Publishing did a great job in walking me through the process. If I had challenges, they certainly guided me through them. It was fairly easy thanks to Christian Faith Publishing. Hmm. Do you have any advice that you could offer to aspiring authors? Yeah, to borrow a line from one of the movies, uh, uh, earlier movies, was Writer's Right. So you have to stay with the writing process and to read others. What are the chances of writing more and getting more books published? Yeah, well, I'm in the middle of doing another 366-day little uh, project. As a, like I say, I own and operate a licensed home health agency. Done that since 97. And over the years, just little quips, quotes, and axioms I've picked up through life experiences. And so just, you know, little thoughts, again, thought-provoking. This will be a little more digestible in the moment. Mm. It's just designed to help individuals who may just be in their own business or even working for somebody. It's kind of geared toward the day-to-day -day of just life interactions. Mm. And what was going through your head? What were you feeling whenever you got that first physical copy of your book in your hands after all that time and that hard work? Well, you certainly feel like you've come across the finish line. Mm. They did a great job on the artwork and everything, uh, so it looked really impressive. I was surprised at how thick it turned out to be, but with a degree in philosophy, I've always said philosophers like to hear themselves talk or write, <laughs> so I could understand the size. But then it was realizing it's not just now that it's completed, how shall we get this into the hands of those individuals who I believe would benefit from it? And that became the, the next lap in the race. Hmm. Well, we're looking forward to seeing more of your work out there. This book is called Moments with the Master, a 366-day non-devotional. Written by Ed McKinnis, this is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Ed, thank you for joining me here tonight. 
had a really nice time talking with you. Well, thank you for allowing me to be here. Poetry Exploring Faith and God's Grace can be found in the new book by William J. Feichert, titled Perfect Sipping Wine and Other Poems. I'm really happy that William's here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. William, thank you for joining me tonight. Glad to be here. Now, can you tell me about your poetry that you've written here in Perfect Sipping Wine and Other Poems? Well, it's poems that I've written within lately, uh, the last few years, and I enjoy it. God's kind of me in the words and, and the ideas of it. Hmm. Were there certain experiences that you've gone through in the past that inspired some of this poetry? Yes. Some of it is taken from daily life, and some are taken from uh, the thoughts of things that happened in my life or that I read or that I heard or that God has made me dwell upon. Was there anything in particular that gave you the idea to get this poetry collected and then get it published, release it to the world? For approximately the last 25 years, I've been writing poetry, and I just was writing it for the self-satisfaction of writing it that I just had it on my mind. And it never really developed into a book until a couple of years ago when my friends and people that I know at church and that asked me to uh, for my poems, and I kind of put them into a book form and was given to them to read. And then God, he put it upon my heart to have it published, and I did that. Have you ever published a book before this? No, I haven't. This is a new experience for me. Mm. Now, do you have advice for aspiring authors who are looking to get their first book published as well? I do. Take that step forward, and if you're on a a hill, on a cliff, don't jump in. Climb it down slowly, taking it stone by stone, and when you get to the bottom, you'll have joy and gladness of heart. Mm. Now, part of the title of your book is Perfect Sipping Wine, and in the description you ask the question, what is perfect? Can you go into what you were saying there? Yes. What is perfect is the theme poem of my uh, book is a perfect sipping line. And can anything be perfect? Yes. And we know that through Jesus Christ and knowing that our Father in heaven is perfect. Mm. Do you have plans on maybe publishing more books? No, not at the time. I don't. But if God gives me the inspiration to do it, I will follow his will, but right now I just am enjoying the fact that I have have this first book. Now, other than the Bible, obviously, I assume you read that pretty often. Is there any other literature kinds of books that you read on a regular basis? The last five years, I've read pretty much a lot of books on theology or religion or Christian living. However, I have peppered it with books like The God Equation, The Search for the Perfect Theory, which is basically a physics book that traces physics all the way from Newton to uh, string theory, and then asks if there is a God. I found those enjoyable. Now, when you're writing and especially publishing a book, There's a lot of work, a lot of time goes into it, and it's often helpful if you have people in your life who know that you're taking this on and 
they can support you and maybe motivate you a little bit. Did you have people around you in your life while you were doing this? Yes, I did. First, I had Jesus. Mm. And second, I had my wife who passed away several years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. She enjoyed taking my, my poems and bringing it to work or showing her friends that would come over. And she gave me a lot of inspiration. And then my children and also Pastor Julia Will, who has encouraged me for the last 20 years to write my poems. If you're looking to explore more about faith and grace, then look at this book. It's called Perfect Sipping Wine and Other Poems, written by William J. Feichert and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. William, thank you for being here on the show. I had a really nice time talking with you today. Well, thank you. I appreciate the interview. Seminary couldn't fully prepare a young minister for where God called him. It's in a new book by Stephen Tucker titled In the Wilderness, Episodes in Urban Ministry. I'm really happy that Stephen is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Stephen, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about the story that you've told here in In the Wilderness? Well, yes. Uh -huh. In the Wilderness, Episodes in Urban Ministry chronicles a few highly unusual events that actually took place on, on one block in the District of Columbia in our nation's capital that a church and uh, its pastor and its people had to face during a tumultuous time in our in our nation's history. And when that, I, I mean a really turbulent time, because it was during the height of the drug crack cocaine era where people were dying of drugs, mm. dying of overdoses. The incarceration rate was at an all-time high. And violence was spiking all across our nation's urban cities. The book and the episodes also highlight things and issues that you don't normally come across in seminary training or training for ministry. Mm. For example, what do you do when you help a homeless person by providing a place to sleep and a reside and in less than a month that person that you help has turned the place that you've given him into a drug house mm. dealing drugs and then also subletting the house out to people charging them rent to sleep there you know there's the issue of trying to get him out and how do you get him out you know when the city has what they call squatters rights where you have to go downtown and file some papers and wait 30 days for the papers to be approved to get someone out or what do you do when when a mother has two kids wants one child but not the other mm. and when you help save that mother's family, only to read where she has become embroiled in a, a love triangle and was shot and killed, leaving both wow. children motherless. The book has those kinds of episodes that are quite unusual, but it also has what I call lessons learned, mm -hmm. whereby I talk about what I learned from these experiences and what those who read the book can learn. You don't have to be an urban dweller to learn about life in urban settings. Many of the people that we idolize today come from urban environments. Many former suburbanites, especially in the uh, Washington, D.C. area, are actually moving back to urban areas 
oftentimes because those that were in urban areas were relocating to the suburbs. But that's information for another book. <laughs> and finally, finally, the book is about personal sacrifice mm. and the life of pastors who take it upon themselves to become personally involved in other people's problems and other people's challenges in life. That's pretty much what the book is about. Wow. Was there anything in particular that inspired you to write this and publish it and tell these stories to the world? Well, yes. My pastor, who has since passed away, every time something would happen, he counseled me through the whole process. Mm. And every time something would happen, I would go to him and explain to him what had taken place. And he found it quite unusual. Mm. And finally, he just said, you know, you need to write a book about that because some of that stuff you just never hear about in school. You never hear about from other pastors. And what you are doing, you probably are setting a precedent for how to deal with unusual issues that they don't teach you about. So a lot of the inspiration came from my pastor who told me that you might be a blessing to other inner city pastors with the writing of the book. Mm, absolutely. Is this the first time you've written a book or been published? Yes, very first time. Wow, congratulations on getting that first book out there. What was the most challenging part of getting this out there? Well, the most challenging part was actually sitting down and writing it. Mm. My pastor suggested writing it. Oh, man, about 15 years ago, it took me that long to just sit down and be patient mm. and write it. And I only did that at the uh, inspiration of my, my family, my wife. I got tired of telling people what took place and have them to come back and tell me, you need to write a book about that. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the book is In the Wilderness, Episodes in Urban Ministry. Written by Stephen Tucker, it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere you pick up your reading material. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Stephen, thank you again for joining me. I had a really nice time chatting with you tonight. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Relationships today are as complex as ever. And Dr. Stacy L. M. McDonald is looking to empower godly women when it comes to dating in her new book, A Christian Woman's Approach to Modern Dating. I'm really happy that Stacy is joining me here right now at the Raider House Author Roundtable. Stacy, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about the approach you've taken here in your book, A Christian Woman's Approach to Modern Dating? Yeah, so it began as an introspective look at myself and what I was seeing around me with my girlfriends. And it was a fill-in space time to just journey into what I had gathered from all that observation and information. And it turned into a book. Hmm. So about how long were you working on it? it? It was a process. It took several months for the whole idea and background research for it all to come together. And I hope to expand and write more books to empower women. Stacy, when readers dive in to your book, what can they expect? Okay, well, this was written with the intention either men or women can read it to get their introspection and then to grow from reading and see how it applies through their godly messages. 
So it can be used in a study group for women or men. And it can also be read individually like a journaling journey to go through. Now, that's important, the interactive element and being able to have the readers actually respond and apply it to their lives. That's an important element. It is, because if you can go and answer the questions, you have to take a look at yourself and what you want and how you want to incorporate it into your dating experiences. So it empowers men and women, actually, to find out who they are and how they want to share that with someone and be true to themselves in a godly way. When it comes to writing and publishing, is this your first time going at it? I wrote an academic book with Nova Southeastern University, uh, Peer and Engagement Lead to Student Reading Outcome for my thesis, and it got published. This is my first outside of academia publishing, yes. Hmm. Now, you mentioned writing more books, getting more out there. So do you have ideas? You said it's going to be maybe a continuation of this. Uh, Are you going to expand on anything? Well, actually, the second book has been accepted, and it's How to Love Yourself and Value a Man. And from my Christian perspective, I am interested in men, and I believe in the male-female relationship. Not that there's not any other way, but that's where I come from. So I gathered this book on the stance that I was seeing a lot of women become victims and complaining about men and blaming them. And I got tired of that. And I I love men for who they are and, and nobody's perfect, male or female. But I wanted to empower the woman to understand if they don't love themselves, if they don't grow into their selves and their life and know what they're all about, then they can't value a man ever. So this was giving them tools to grow into understanding that, you know, be responsible, suck it up, buttercup, and Mm -hmm. live your life, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but respect the others as well. Writing and publishing a book, there's a lot of time, a lot of work goes into it. Did you have a, a team, any people in your life who could motivate you and maybe encourage you along the way? I must say, Anna Ciccarelli, um, we are music friends. Uh, She's an international musician, and I'm honored to be her friend. But she really is proficient in life and very experienced in many areas of the work field. So she kept reminding me to be true to yourself, write what's in your heart, and listen to God, and put it on paper, because some women out there will learn something and improve their life. So she was and continues to be a joy to be in my life and in a bright light. Yes, a gift from God. Mm -hmm. How wonderful. Could you offer any words of advice for aspiring authors who have a story, have an important message that they want to tell to the world, but are a little unclear about where to go next, what steps to take? What would you tell them? Uh, And I've thought about that. I think what comes to the head point is that you have to write about what you know. And I thank Mrs. Frank from eighth grade for that. But writing what you know and listening to God, uh, because there are parts in these books that that just came out of nowhere. And I know it was a God wink. Mm. So make your message pertinent to society. You have to know your audience. And then your story has to be relatable. You know, I had several rewrites, and that's part of the process. But you, you just have to take a look and, and see what's in the world, what, what's being read, and you have to know your audience and your story. The book is called A Christian Woman's Approach to Modern Dating, written by Dr. Stacy L.M. McDonald. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. 
You can find this everywhere that you shop for your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Stacy, thank you again for coming on the show, and thank you for your hard work on this really important book. I had a nice time chatting with you tonight. I as well. Thank you so much for having me. Right now, I'm really happy to be joined by author Anthony Caldwell here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, you've got a new book that just hit stores right now. It's called Choices. Can you tell me what it's all about? It's uh, just a basic urban fictional with a little twist of a love story about a young man just trying to defy odds to make something of himself and, you know, constantly having challenges in front of him. So he's just trying to do the best thing to move ahead and, you know, just see what a story has him. Hmm. Where did the idea for this story come from? Be truthfully honest with you, I think this this been years in the making. It was just bits and pieces that came together and just a great imagination that I had. And I just put it all together and made a story out of it. Mm. How long were you working on it? I'm going to say about a, about a year and a half to two years. And is this the first book you've written or the first time you've been published? Well, I've written, you know, small poems and a couple of items like that. But as far as a book, yes, this is my first time actually writing a book. Uh, congratulations for getting that first one out there. What was the most challenging part of publishing your first book? Staying consistent. Mm. You know, some days, you know, you go through that writer's block and it's hard to keep the strategy going, keeping the thoughts coming and um, fighting through that writer's block. Did you have a routine for getting through that when the going got tough? Did you have something that you would go to to kind of get things going again? Yeah, I just read other books. Mm. What, what happened was when I read other books, it opens up my imagination and it gives me other ideas to put in the book. And then, you know, I'm, the imagination just opens back up. And, you know, also playing basketball. Playing basketball also helped too. Yeah, it's often great to get away and do something completely different. Get your mind off yes, things sir. for a while and let it percolate for a while. Yes, sir. So are you planning on writing more books and maybe getting some more published? Yes, sir. I actually am. I'm actually really want to write. I'm, I'm doing a trilogy to this. Oh. Yeah, I'm actually working on Choices Part 2 right now. I definitely want to make this not be the only book that I've actually published, but I just want to keep my name out there. Just I want to introduce the world to Anthony, but I also want to let him know that I'm not going away. That's fantastic. Now, when you write, are you an outliner? Do you plan things out and know how the story's going to end up? Or are you more of a kind of going by the seat of your pants kind of writer, just sitting down and see where things go? I'm going to say go by the seat of my pants, because sometimes when you try to do an outline, it varies, and you mm. go totally away from that outline. But as a writer, for me, when I got into the flow of writing, it just started flowing. So for me, I'm going to say by the seat of my pants. Would you have any words of advice for aspiring authors, people who have a story to tell like you did and are looking to get it out there to the world? I'll tell them continue at it. If there's something that you want to do, don't give up. It's going to be hard. You know, the road's not paved. It's going to be some rough times. It's going to be some, some hard days, but continue at it and strive and you'll, you'll get there. Mm, that's great advice. Now, when you're writing, you're just by yourself. So much of the time, it's you and the computer screen or, or you and the paper. Did you have people around you in your life that knew you were doing this and they could sort of motivate you and encourage you and keep you going? Oh, yeah. I, I have a great supporting cast. My family. I have um, my best friends. I actually have a partner that I work with right now while I was writing this book um, because I'm a professional mover. During our travels, you know, I would bounce ideas off of him and, you know, it just increased the imagination towards the book. 
So he was a big part of it. I definitely had a great supporting cast helping me along this way. That's great. That's so important. Now, when you got that first physical copy of your book in your hands, after all that time, after all that hard work, what was going through your head? What were you feeling? Accomplished. Mm. I'm going to say accomplished because that was a long, hard-fought road to get there. And, mm. you know, it was some delays and it was some pitfalls. But once I finally was able to actually see that, all that time invested, the errors, the corrections, just everything flowed. And now I can actually see the product of my success, the product of my hard work. You know, that was a great moment for me, a proud moment for me. You said one of the things you like to do is read. What kinds of things are you into that keep you either entertained or inspired? You know, I'm all over the place. Hmm. Business, urban fictional, um, history, mysteries. I mean, I'm all over the place. I read everything. It's fantastic. Reading is so important to the writing process, and I'm glad that you have a passion for that and a passion for writing, Anthony. We're looking forward to seeing more of your books out there. This book is called Choices, of course, written by Anthony Caldwell. It's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Anthony, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a really great time talking with you. Uh, thank you for having me. What would a government shutdown of the world's most purchased book look like? Well, we'll find out in the new book by Button Manning, titled the Last Sunday School Teacher. I'm really happy that Button is joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Button, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you, Corey. I'm glad to be here. This sounds like quite an interesting story that you've told in your book. Can you tell me all about it? Yes. Concept first came to me. It's always been a sort of a back burner item on my mind, but doing a lifelong ministry, counseling, being a chaplain in the transportation industry, I just never was able to sit down and really put things together and uh, put it into a process that would become a book. So I was able to do that. At the end of December 2019, I retired and uh, began praying, asking God, you know, what's next? I just wanted to help people and most of all, wanted to glorify God. Hmm. So what is the story that you're telling here? What can readers expect when they crack open your book? Actually, the first concept, first concept of this book came to me. I was teaching a group of senior people in a class setting. And as things would happen through attrition, folks getting older, some of my classmates would begin passing away. And concept of I was to be their last Sunday school teacher gave me the concept of the book that mm the thought about that. But as I sat down to uh, begin putting pen to paper and making notes and things, national events and on the national forefront, a lot of the, the norms had begun changing here in the country. And really my thoughts turned to a more prophetic tone, if you will. And I just wanted to give people a glimpse back through America's history in my time and uh, give them a flavor of how that was and just watch one believer as he uh, took that faith walk. Hmm. How long were you working on this? Well, again, the concept for years had been in my mind and getting something down. Uh, of course, you got to live a life before you can talk about a life. Hmm. Once I reached that point, I am again retired now and can actually look back beginning in the 50s. Uh, some folks will relate to those times. Some of the younger folks will relate to how the book comes in for a landing, if you will through most current recent history in America, that was the concept, you know, looking back and just bringing people through my life and 
the life of this nation, if you will, from the 50s to the present. Before this, have you written or been published? Actually, I've been quoted, not published. I've been in other books. I've been interviewed for other books for transportation, chaplaincy, and things of that area, ministry. But I've never myself been published or you know, just sat down and put something together like this. Hmm. Congratulations on getting your first book out there in stores. How's it feel now that you can call yourself an officially published author? Well, I'm excited about it. As I said, I'd ask God, you know, what, what's next? What am I going to do with myself? Hmm. And this opportunity came along and it just flowed and things got down on paper and just transitioned to uh, the publisher, Christian Faith Publishing. And they were very, very helpful and guided this rookie through uh, the first book. And I feel really good about the outcome. Hmm. I'm sure you learned a lot along the way. Could you offer advice now to aspiring authors who are looking to go on this same journey? Absolutely. I would tell them if it's in your heart, if it's in your head, time is important. I know life gets in the way sometimes and you just don't have a place and time to sit down and put things down. But you've got to do that. You've got to find a place, sit down and just begin. Just start putting your thoughts down and you'll be amazed how really it will flow and become a product for you. Button's book is called The Last Sunday School Teacher. Of course, it's written by Button Manning and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your reading material. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Button, thank you again for joining me here tonight. It was nice learning about The Last Sunday School Teacher. I had a nice time chatting with you. Thank you, Corey. It's been my pleasure. I'm really happy to welcome author James Greenewalt right now to the Reader House Author Roundtable. James, thank you very much for joining me here tonight. Thank you for having me. You've got a new book just came out. It's called Healing Sozo. Belongs to you because you're saved, Sozo. Can you tell us what this is all about? When I was younger, I worked for a, well, I I volunteered at a uh, Christian ministry answering phone calls. And we were supposed to pray for the people. Now, most of the prayers were for healing or finance and stuff like that, but majority were for healing. So I asked God to show me a quick teaching that I could give the people to build them up so they could receive their healing so much faster and easier because we only had a short period of time we were allowed to talk to them on the phone. Hmm. God showed me the word save and salvation also mean healing and deliverance. Hmm. And then he gave me four scriptures to go along with that. And when I shared that with the people, I had really good success seeing them getting healed over the phones because of what God had given me. So that kind of started out the book. How long were you working on it, writing it and then getting it published? Well, actually, I taught it for years, and I've seen great success getting people saved, Mm. getting people healed with that salvation, because the word means the same. If you see the word save in the scripture, it also means healed, because it's the word sozo. That's kind of why I put it in the title the way I did, Hmm. to show them that heal and save in the Greek means sozo, which they both mean the same thing. Interesting. Have you written before this or been published before this one? No, no. This was the first time. It was on my heart to share this more with not just teaching around the places that I've taught around Pennsylvania and such, but to get it out to the people so they understand healing a little bit more. Hmm. I thought it was a fantastic It wasn't for me. It was from God. I I thought it was a fantastic teaching that he gave me, and I wanted to share it. Well, congratulations for getting your first one out there in stores. What's it feel like now when you look in the mirror and you say, hey, I'm actually a published author now? (laughs) 
it, I don't think it's hit me yet. <laughs> but I am excited to get it out there because I, I want people to see what God showed me for a simple reason. I've had people, like even when I was talking to them on the phone, I've shared these words and four main scriptures, and I've had people get healed before I even got a chance to pray for them. Hmm. Because the simple fact that the scriptures and those words would just build them up to for the fact they're they're hungry. They want to receive what God says is theirs. Hmm. And before I, I, I tell the people, I said, your only job in this, your only the only thing you have to do is just receive what God says in his word. And <laughs> some people would get healed before I got a chance. I just loved it. What was the most challenging part about publishing your book and getting it out to people? Well, <laughs> I'm not exactly an English major. <laughs> so just, I would sit back, pray, then start writing, go back, rewrite it, because it wouldn't seem right to me. And so I'm, like I said, I'm not an English major, and that was probably the toughest part, just getting it down on paper. Hmm. Do you plan on writing more and getting more books out there? Well, when I, I get a chance, there are a few ideas that I have that I, I want to start on. But right now I'm kind of over, well, have too much going on. <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting a little bit, but I do want to, yes. Well, the name of the book is Healing, So-So. belongs to you because you're saved, So-So. This was written by James Greenewalt and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you buy your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. James, thanks again for joining me here tonight. Thank you for all your hard work on this book. I had a nice time talking with you. Thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 